Hello, my name is Boaz, and I am seven years old. And why is Jesus better than anything else? Because he can heal people, and he's powerful. Being a kid isn't easy. You know you're supposed to be good, and sometimes you feel like you're doing a great job. But then the next minute, you do something wrong again. That's why we need Jesus, and to remember the good news of the gospel every day. Not just the part about when Jesus came to earth, but God's rescue plan from before he even created the world, and the hope of living with him forever, so that we can see through every story in the Bible why Jesus is better than anything else, and why he wants you to join him. Finn, listen to this. When Frodo came to himself, he was still clutching the ring desperately. He was lying by the fire, which was now piled high and burning brightly. His three companions were bending over him. Isn't that exciting? What do you think is going to happen next? Uh, Miss Leisha, I have no idea what you're talking about. Who's Frodo? Why was he holding a ring? Why don't you start at the beginning of the book and read to me? Oh, I guess you're right. You probably don't want to listen to me read from the middle of a book because it's too confusing. But that's the way a lot of people read the Bible. They pick random verses to read and expect the whole Bible to make sense. Probably because the Bible is so long. Maybe. But that's why we're doing our series looking at God's big story through the Bible, so that when you study stories and verses in the future, you'll know how they fit together, just like reading a novel from start to finish. Today, we're going to learn about some promises that God gave to some of his people. We'll also find out what God's greatest desire is and what kind of plan he's up to. Last week, we talked about all of the people of the world and what was happening to them. But don't forget about Adam and Eve and that foot promise that God was going to send someone to crush the head of the serpent. Are we going to find out about the snake crusher today? If snakes are like more eels, I will see why they will need to be crushed. Remember, it wasn't just any snake that needed to be defeated, Finn. It was Satan and all the power he had over Adam and Eve once they turned from God. Today, we're going to start with one man and his family, because the Bible's focus has shifted from the world to this one man. The man is introduced in Genesis 12, and for the rest of Old Testament history, this man and his descendants are the main characters. His name was Abraham. God gave Abraham special promises. God promised to establish a people, a land, a nation, and a blessing through him. Wow, those are a lot of promises. But I don't really understand what all that means. Well, what's the first thing you need if you're going to have a nation? Lots of people? Yep, and a place for them to live and someone to lead them. And God was putting his blessing on top of all that. 
In Genesis 12, 3, God told Abraham that in him, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He was told to leave his land and go to a land that God would show him. When I was free, my dad got a new job on the other part of the ocean. So we had to move to a different coral reef. That's where I met Harold the jellyfish. And we became best friends. Abraham obeyed God. That's good because Adam and Eve and all those people who built that tower to the sky didn't do so well at at obeying. In Genesis 15, Abraham had a crisis when he realized how old he was and that he and his wife didn't have any children. How was God going to make a nation if he didn't have any kids? But he believed the Lord, and it made him righteous. Abraham didn't see a great sign, but he believed the promise God had made to him, that all the peoples of the earth would be blessed through him. Abraham established a pattern of belief, though he messed up sometimes in unbelief. After God gave him the promise of a son, he got impatient and had a child with his maidservant Hagar and named this son Ishmael. But 25 years after the promise, Sarah had a son named Isaac, the true son of the promise. A few years later, God brought a great test on Abraham and told him to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, to God. What? Why would God want him? He gave up the son he he waited so long for. That would be like saving all my birthday and Christmas money to buy a minnow. And then once I got him, I gave him away to a classmate. It It just doesn't seem fair. I've struggled with understanding this story too, Finn. But Abraham responded in great faith and obeyed God, even believing that God would raise his son from the dead. Instead, God sent an angel to stop Abraham, and a ram was sacrificed in Isaac's place. Abraham's great testing grew great faith, and he was God's friend. He believed with no signs or miracles. When Isaac got married, his wife was also barren, which means that she couldn't have children. But then God blessed her with twin boys. God's promise of making a great nation fell to the younger son, Jacob. So God's promise was repeated to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The one about God making a great nation and blessing all the nations through him. But there still aren't very many people. It's just one family. Well, God chose to start with these three men, who are known as the patriarchs. More time passed, and when Jacob grew up, he had 12 sons, and his favorite son was Joseph. He even gave Joseph a multicolored coat. That doesn't seem fair at all. That'll be like mom and dad. Only giving Brooke and River Christmas gifts, and not me. Then you can understand that this made Joseph's brothers incredibly angry, and they ended up selling Joseph into slavery in Egypt. 
Joseph's dad, Jacob, thought he was dead. Joseph experienced time in prison, but eventually was promoted to be Pharaoh's assistant. He was faithful to God in all of his circumstances. Did you know that when I was a kid, I had to move too? You did? I thought I was the only one. I moved to the state of Iowa when I was in third grade, and then to North Dakota when I was in eighth grade. It was so hard to believe that God could really use it for good in my life. I felt the same way until I met Harold. God used Joseph during this 22-year separation from his family to save the people of Israel. There was a famine in the land, and Joseph's brothers came to Egypt for food. Joseph revealed himself to his brothers and forgave them. Eventually, Jacob's family was invited and able to move to Egypt after leaving Canaan. When all of Jacob's family came to Egypt and settled in Goshen, there were 70 of them. That's still not a great nation. I have over 70 cousins. A river, different coral reefs. Just wait and see, Finn. A while later, when Jacob was dying, he gave a birthright blessing to his sons, and because of their sin, skipped Reuben, Simeon, and Levi, some of Joseph's brothers, to give the special blessing to his brother Judah. Jacob referred to the scepter that would never pass away from Judah, and To him shall be the obedience of the peoples. What do the words scepter and obedience make you think of? Well, a king usually has a scepter, and people have to obey him, right? God's special promise was going to continue through Judah. When Jacob blessed Joseph, he received a double portion of the land through his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. From these brothers and Joseph's two sons, there would be 13 tribes, though Levi wouldn't inherit land because of their appointed priesthood duties. But we'll get to that later. Over the next few hundred years, in the land of Egypt, the sons of Jacob multiplied and became numerous. The Israelites increased during that time to about two to three million people. Yeah. Sounds like a great, great nation to me. Yes, God's promise of people was being fulfilled. They were living in the land of Goshen under the authority of the Egyptians. But after a while, when Pharaoh died, the future pharaohs saw the great people and began to feel threatened by them. The Egyptians made the Israelites slaves. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt for 450 years. That's awful! Not that they're a great nation. Everything seems to be going wrong. And on top of all that, Pharaoh ordered all the Israelite baby boys to be killed. But God set Moses apart as the deliverer, saved him from being murdered, and raised him in the in the Pharaoh's palace for 40 years. Because of a conflict with an Egyptian that ended in murder, Moses escaped to the land of Midian and became a shepherd. When Moses was 80 years old, 
God spoke to him through a burning bush. He called out, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses said. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals. The place you are standing on is holy ground. He continued, I am the God of your father. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. And I am the God of Jacob. When Moses heard that, he turned his face away. He was afraid to look at God. God gave Moses three signs. And Moses tried to give excuses. But God rejected all of Moses' excuses and appointed him to be the deliverer of the people of Israel. One day when the seahorse came to, came to school for the first time, my teacher asked me to help him get used to the school. But I was really afraid Slim wouldn't like me or that I'd say something wrong. I wish that she would ask Harold or another classmate. But Slim ended up being nice, even though he talked a lot. And I had to wait for him to swim and catch up a lot. Moses and his brother Aaron came before Pharaoh and told him to let the people of Israel go. Pharaoh refused, and God sent ten plagues over the period of a year or more on the Egyptians to show his power. The plagues were the water turning to blood, frogs, gnats, flies, livestock diseases, boils, thunder and hail, locusts, and darkness. Hold on a second. Water turned into blood? I wouldn't have been able to breathe. Um, it's true that the fish died, and the people couldn't drink the water. That's horrifying! But for the humans, the tenth plague was the worst, when God killed all the firstborn sons in Egypt. He passed over the Israelites, but the Israelites had to do something special. They had to trust God and sacrifice a lamb, putting the blood on the door frames of their houses. God demanded a sacrifice so that the firstborn Israelites could be protected. That's why the Israelites celebrated the Passover in future years. It was to remember the time when God passed over them during the plague of the firstborn. After that last awful plague, Pharaoh sent the Israelites away and told them never to come back. God delivered the people out of Egypt and led them through the wilderness toward the promised land. God could have left them in Egypt and forgotten about them, but he had a special plan. He wanted these Israelites to know him. He loved them. When they were in the desert, traveling to a new land, God gave them just what they needed every day. But when they got to the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army chariots came up behind them. Imagine that you had just been freed from being a slave, and the slave owners came up behind you to recapture you. No, I like being getting freed from a fisherman's net, only to get scooped up by another net. Would you feel that God hadn't kept his promise? Well, I certainly couldn't see how he could fix this situation.
God parted the Red Sea, freeing the Israelites to go across on dry ground. And when he sent the sea back to its place, all of Pharaoh's army was killed. That would have been a wild ride as a sea creature, but also pretty amazing for those humans. We just walk across the sea, but couldn't have swam across. And God didn't just show his power then. Every day there had to be a supernatural power and wonder, or the Israelites would die. He gave them manna for food, water from a rock, sent quail for meat, and even made bitter water sweet. God was, in a way, saying, Israel, do you see who I am? When enemies like the Amalekites came to attack, God defeated them for Israel. It was the hand of the Lord that caused all this. God ministered to them by His presence, being with them, His provision, giving them what they needed, and His protection, keeping them from getting hurt or killed. He showed them who He was through His amazing works and words. He reminded them of His protection and provision and said that if they kept His covenant, Israel would be His treasured possession. Now that Israel has God as their leader, do you think they'll be happy? Well, I'd certainly be happy to not be a slave anymore. And God sure has done a lot. Take care of them. So I just... So if they just kept letting God be their leader, they'll be okay. So they almost made to the promised land yet? We'll have to talk about that next week, Finn. It wasn't exactly smooth sailing. Sailing? I thought they were in a desert. Which you were so confusing sometimes. Hey, can I show you my picture I saw last week? I'm better at drawing fish than humans. But this is glad it's God in the world. And here's Adam and Eve. I'm conquering his brother Abel. And then I declared this whole part blue because of the flood and a broken down tower. And God confused all the people's languages. Wow, that's great, Finn. If you draw more pictures from our stories today, we'll tape them together. And maybe some of the boys and girls listening will do the same. Really? That'll be so cool! Well, I better get back to the aquarium bus so I can go home and work on my pictures. Be sweet, Barracuit. Oh, Finn.